If you have a Bible, turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. <clears throat> Colossians chapter 3. Man, that cold weather is getting my allergies all riled up this morning. I apologize for that. <clears throat> Colossians chapter 3. Continuing our series entitled Jesus Over Everything. Uh, walking through the book of Colossians and uh, what Paul um, has uh, called for us uh, to be as uh, followers of Christ, right? We uh, are new in him, uh, and he has given us, right, uh, prescribed us this way to live, right, as the new uh, man for him. And we're continuing uh, in Colossians 3. Uh, we're going to be in verses 18 through chapter 4, verse 1. Uh, in 3, 1 through 17, if you weren't here with us last week, Paul talked about how in Christ we are new in him. We've put off the old man. We're new in him. Uh, and so the call for us is to seek what's above, right, to uh, focus our hearts and minds on eternity. Uh, but uh, also, right, part of that calling is us choosing to die to ourselves every single day. If we want to uh, live this new life in Christ, we've got to put to death the flesh, literally die, crucify Right. Our flesh, man, that's still here with us uh, and choose to put on uh, the new man. Right. Uh, bearing this fruit uh, that uh, that comes from a vibrant relationship with him. And he continues on this discourse right uh, on the heavenly life by talking about right what the heavenly life looks like in the home. Uh, but also what the heavenly life looks like within our workplace. And so uh, verse 18 of chapter 3, right, this passage, I'll just be real with you, it's highly contested. Oh, appreciate it, Brother Ed. Man, thank you, sir. I needed that. All right, I'm good now. Uh, <clears throat> this this passage is highly uh, contested, right, uh, highly uh, debated upon. Uh, mainly because of the first verse of uh, the passage here. But we'll uh, unpack that, walk through what uh, what Paul is meaning to talk about uh, as we continue on with uh, his word. And so uh, with that being said, Colossians three eighteen through chapter four, verse one. If you're there, let me know that you're there by saying there. All right. Uh, and uh, start in verse 18 this is what the word of the Lord says, says this. Uh, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. In verse 19, husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. And fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Verse 22, bond servants, uh, in your uh, Bible it may say slaves, uh, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. I'll stop there real quick and highlight one of, of the contentious parts of this passage, what folks, uh, you know, may seem to misrepresent whenever they uh, see something like this. There are questions that come up, hey, how come Paul doesn't condemn slavery here? He's actually talking about slaves submitting to their masters. Man, what, what is that all about? Some folks think that because Paul didn't condemn in this particular passage slavery, right, that he's essentially prescribing it, that it's okay. Well, that's not the truth at all. Again, Paul is writing in a context to a people, right, first century uh, Roman Empire was reigning and ruling during this time. And so uh, there were folks that were slaves because of war. Right. There were folks that, that were slaves uh, because they owed a debt. Right. Bond servitude, you know, slaves that owed a big debt. So they had to work to pay their debt off. 
Right. That was just the reality of this time. Paul wasn't condoning it. Matter of fact, he condemns it whenever he talks about man in Christ. Man, there's neither slave nor free. Man, we're all one in him. But what he's doing is he's speaking to this rather that, hey, slaves in your situation. Hey, you want to know a way to honor God? Hey, man, choose to obey that master, even though they may they may be cruel. Man, choose to obey him and watch God work and move in the life of yourself, but also that person to whom is under your control. Again, he's not condoning it or prescribing it. Right. He's speaking to a context and the people that were in that situation. And the call for them was, man, to be all in and serving uh, them. Uh, because, man, at the end of the day, they were the Lord's. Uh, verse 23 says this. Whatever you do. Work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Man, we need that reminder today. Knowing that from the Lord, you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ for the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done. And there is no partiality. And then chapter four, masters, treat your bond servants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. I've entitled the message today, the heavenly life part two. Heavenly life part two. Why don't we pray together? Lord God, we love you. God, we thank you for your word. Lord, I pray. God, over these next few moments, Lord, that you would meet with us here, Lord. Uh, I know numbers are down because of fall break, Lord. Uh, and even folks in this room, minds and hearts may be on other things. But I pray just over these next few moments that you would meet us where we are, Lord. Speak to us, Lord. We need to hear from you above all else, Lord. Continue to fill this place full of your spirit, Lord. And we'll give you all the glory and honor for it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I think I've said it before, uh, but I'm one of those people that um, uh, is not handy in the slightest. Brother Greg, I I can't use a tool to save my life. If I need something fixed... Right. Uh, I've got to go to YouTube or I got to go, you know, to the manual, which, you know, using the manual is kind of archaic, you know, in today's time. So I just go to YouTube. Right. To try and figure out how to fix something or put something together. Maybe you are like that or you live with somebody uh, like that. You know, don't put don't put them on blast or call them out. But maybe you understand that reality. I'm not very handy. I've said it before. Right. That, man, I believe God made these hands to hold a Bible, you know, uh, preach the word. Uh, but uh, but stuff needs to get fixed in the house, so I'll you, watch a YouTube video or something to take care of it. I've always been secretly envious of the people that just know how to fix stuff, whether they learned as a little kid and, man, they show off now or what. You know what I'm talking about, those people that, man, they're driving down and all of a sudden they hear something in their car going off. Oh, man, that's a carburetor. You know, we got to get that fixed. They know exactly what to do. I'm thinking, wait. Man, how you know that? Are you a car whisperer or something? You know what I'm talking about? Like, I, I, I've always been envious of those people, man. Hey, if, if that's you, man, hey, grateful for you. Grateful for you. You just know what to do, man, and you figure it out. You don't need no manual. Hey, willy-nilly, just figure it out as you go, man, and you get it done. Man, that's great to have in terms of fixing things, but whenever it comes to our Christian life, that, that's not how we're called to live. Some of us, including myself, we fall victim to that, man. We think, oh, man, hey. You know, I, I, man, I know enough uh, about the, the Bible, the Ten Commandments, to follow, you know, stuff that I need to follow, right? The stuff that I know is prescribed in the Word for me to follow that make me a good person. Man, I know how to do that. 
But some of the other things that is explicitly talked about in the scripture, right? I, man, I, man, I, I'll simply choose to, you know, figure it out, man, as I go. You know, I, I won't look back to the manual, man. I'll figure it out as I go. And you already know this, but I'll say it anyway. That that's not the call, man, of uh, the Christian life. God has given us a blueprint, right, on how to live for Him, His Word. He has given us a manual. That we're called to follow, man, even though the, some of the stuff that's said in there, man, we may not necessarily like at that certain point in time. Man, we're called, man, to obey it, follow him, follow him. And Paul here, we see that he gives a blueprint, yes, for the heavenly life as a whole. But man, he gives a blueprint on how the home ought to look like and how men our workplace and how we work with people ought to look like. He gives us a blueprint right here. Right in gives us an example on how we ought to live, man, within our home and within those that we walk alongside. Listen, I've said this before. It, it's so fifth grade language, but I'll go ahead and say it now. Listen, what God has given us in his word, man, his plan, right? It's it's best. His plan is best. And so we ought to choose, man, to walk in it. I choose to walk in it. We see that he gives, man, a blueprint for this life, a manual, man, for how we ought to invest in our relationships and invest in our work. And so in order to live this heavenly life, hey, we've got to make two choices. Like last week, we had to make three choices. This week, we've got to make two choices. Man, if we want to live out this heavenly life in him, in our uh, workplace and in our families. The first choice we've got to make, it's right here specifically in the word. It says this. First choice we've got to make is we've got to choose to walk in God-honoring relationships. Walk in God-honoring relationships. Paul here, man, speaks to the importance of honoring, honoring God by how we choose, man, to uh, love one another, to live in these relationships we have with others. And particularly, he's talking about the closest relationships that we have. He mentions, it, he mentions the marriage first, right? And the roles within that marriage. He gets right into it in verse 18. He first starts out with the wife and saying, hey, wives, submit to your husbands. Submit to your husbands. As is fitting in the Lord. Right. Again, that's a contentious verse. Right. Some folks may think, man, Pastor Irv, listen, you 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 sitting here telling me that Paul says that I don't have any rights. The lady's talking. You sitting here saying that Paul's saying I don't have any rights. You're talking about me, man. One, you know, man, bow down to my husband's every wish and whim, you know. Right. Uh, he, he's a lord or, or a master over me. You saying that? No, 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 no. I'm not saying that. Matter of fact, in the original language, that word submit is different than the authoritative, authoritative word obey that we see whenever it talks about children obeying their parents. It's a different word. It's a different word. It speaks to this, right? Wives choosing men to step in and compliment their husbands. Here's the reality. Hey, God has placed an order, right, in his design and creation, right, including marriage, his institution of marriage, which is his. It's not the culture's, by the way. It's his. He's defined it. And he has set an order, man, on how we ought to live as married folks. Right? Husbands are, are, are the lead. God is, is get, given the call for the husbands to lead in the home, man, in a godly, Christ-like manner. And the wife, man, is to step in and compliment them. Compliment them. Paul isn't being bigot or being a bit like a bigot or, or a sexist here. Not, he's not doing that. He's not saying that the wife is any less important than the husband. He's not saying that at all. He's speaking about the order, man, within God's creation that the wife is to be, man, a compliment to her husband. So that word submission means look at what 
commentator says pertaining to this verse. Look what he says. Submit is used consistently in the New Testament to reference a wife's responsibility to her husband. It directly relates to the nature of marriage and corresponding roles of the husband and wife. Husbands are intended to be the faithful caretakers of their wives and the wives the loving compliments. Say, Pastor, what does that mean? I'm glad you asked. I'll just bring it to practical measures. It brought up practical measures in this little commentary, by the way. Help me out. Look what it says. Practically speaking, it means that the wives should offer themselves to their husbands with heartfelt respect and admiration in ways that honor him, lift him up, and meet his needs. This cooperative spirit is not dependent on the husband's faithfulness to fulfill his role, although it certainly does not obligate a wife to follow immoral or illegal directions or subject herself to abuse. A wife's dignity and devotion to her husband are ultimately expressions of her love for Christ and her husband her husband man though the wife is equal right this this compliment role man submitting to her husband man it it is god's design and here's the truth today there is no greater picture of christ within the home man than a wife man that's willing man to compliment her husband willing to fulfill that responsibility of man service and respect to him no greater role No greater picture of Christ within the church. And so the call, man, for the wife is to submit to the leadership of the husband and the home. Man, even though he's not perfect, man, the call is to submit to him. You may ask, well, Pastor Irv, what about situations of, man, abuse? You know, man, this verse isn't right, man, because, man, I know people that are walking through abuse in, in, in their marriages. Listen, if that's you, after this service, man, come Either call the police yourself or we'll, you can come tell one of us and we'll call the police. There, there is no reason in the world why you should be subject to abuse, man, in your home, physical abuse. Uh, take that to the authorities. That's not correct. You may ask the question, well, what, what if the wife or the husband's lost? The husband doesn't know Christ. It's far from him. Hey, let me encourage you. Hey, choose to continue to submit. Man, First Peter 3, 2, man, tells us that. Man, choose to willing to submit. Take him to the Lord in prayer. That's what submission looks like. Hey, take the Lord, take, take him to the Lord in prayer. If your husband isn't walking with, with God now, hey, man, choose, choose to pray with the kids, man. Pray for him with the kids. And choose to fulfill that role and watch God, man, do a work. I've heard about it and I've seen it. Man, because of the wife, man, following God, man, that husband coming to faith. And so the call for and the wife is to submit, but it's not just talking about the wives here, man, talking about the husbands. Look at what, verse 19, look what it says. Right. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Right. That word love, man, the original language, it's agapeo, right, where we get agape, you know, this selfish, selfless and sacrificial love. Ephesians five puts it this way that, hey, we're called to love our wives as Christ loved the church. Sacrifice. Man gave himself up for her. Man, the call for the husband is to do the same thing. Meaning this. Hey, husband, it's not your call, man, to simply choose to look to make your wife bitter. Man, it's choose to look to build them up. Hey, it, it's not it's the call of the husband isn't just for your wife to man to serve your, your every wish and whim. Actually, the call for you, man, to demonstrate your love for her is to for you to do that, to serve her, man, pour into her, invest in her, support her. That's that's the call of the husband. Husbands are responsible for the emotional, physical, and spiritual needs of their wives. They must be devoted to care for them and promote. Their sanctification by embodying Christ's example in nurturing his church, nurturing his church. 
And so, man, the call, man, is for us to be, as husbands, to be sacrificial, selfless. Is that what your life entails as the husband? I get it, man. Hey, you may work all day, might be tired, come back home. But can I be honest with you? That doesn't mean that you're called to abdicate your responsibilities. Still love and serve your wife, man, and love and serve your kids. Man, the husband, the call is, man, to love them. It's not about a domineering or overly demanding relationship, but rather it's a call to demonstrate the love Christ has shown us by choosing to be sacrificial and all in for her. And so real quick, and then we'll move to the parent-child, because I know, again, this is verse 18 is real highly debated on what it's talking about here. Real quick, what, what does this mean in a practical sense for husbands and wives in the room? Those are, you know, one day, right? Uh, may not be married now, but one day are looking to get married. That means this. Hey, it, it mean, the men, your role as a husband, right, is to set the purpose and value in the home. Set the direction. You're the leader that God has placed there. He's the main leader, but, but you're the leader of the house. Leader of the household. Man, you set the purpose and direction of the home. And then the wife, right? The wife, your role is to set the temperature for the house. Hey, you, you've got thermostats. And you've got thermometers. And you know what those things do, right? A thermostat, hey, it sets the temperature there in the house. Hey, if it's real hot, like it is a little bit right now, I'm a little, you know, a little toasty right now personally. This sweater was, by the way, this sweater was a good choice at 7 in the morning, but it's 11.15 now, it's a little warm in here. But hey, if it's hot in the home, right, it's, you know, contentious, man, as the wife, you step in, man, and cool things down. Rather than be a thermometer where that just man just reads the temperature that's in the room and just reacts to it. And be a thermostat. A thermostat. Set the temperature of the house. At the end of the day, hey husbands, I'll go ahead and throw this in free of charge, and I promise I'm moving on. Hey husbands, man, hey, there, there's no greater desire that the wife has, man, than to feel safe and secure in the home. And so, man, the call for you, man, is to step up in love them create that environment you know i got on in relationship it talks about man the husband and wife but also it talks about the parent and the child look at what verse 20 and 21 says says it right there says children obey your parents and everything for this pleases the lord and fathers do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged Right, talks about the children first. Man, hey, in a godly home, man, hey, the child chooses to, to be obedient. I know we got just a few kids in here that still live in the house. Uh, man, but listen, hey, if that's you, man, choose to obey your parents. Hey, choose to understand, man, that you are blessed to have them. You may say, oh, Pastor Herb, but I got rights. You know, I remember thinking that, saying that as a child, man, I got rights. Yeah, you do. You got a right to be obedient. You got a right to be obedient. And so, man, the call for the child, man, is to be obedient, understanding, man, that it's a blessing, right, to have the parents that you uh, have. Uh, but majority of folks in here that are parents, I know we've got parents in the house here, right? Uh, uh, the call for you is to choose not to provoke your child. That word in the original language speaks to lead to resentment, lead to resentment. You may put down the rule, the law saying, hey, hey, they're call- hey. There, you're the child. Listen, the call for you is to be obedient and raise that iron fist. And you may get some what of a response. But but can we be honest, man? After a while, man, that, that'll simply turn into resentment. Here's the deal. If 
If you're not willing to invest in having conversations with your child in the wrong, right? And conversations about life, then a lot of times, man, it's just going to lead to a point where you're provoking them. Provoking them. Call us to invest. Hey, I heard it said like this before, man, you invested in having the child, man, you ought to invest in pouring into them. That's the antidote for, man, falling victim to resent men. Invest in them. Love them, man. A loving relationship is the key, right, to children being built up in the Lord over time. Ways that we can avoid, right, to falling victim to leading our folks to uh, to be resentful, leading our kids to be resentful is, man, number one, try to uh, live vicariously through them. You know, try, try to mold them to what, you know, we want to be from a worldly perspective. No, no, no. The call for you is to give them Jesus, right? Give them right inputs. Give them the word, right? And here it is. Put them in the basket like the caretakers of Moses put him in the basket and give them to the Lord. If you want a Moses, you got to put him in the basket. Hey, if, if you want a David, man, you, you got to allow him to tend the fields. Hey, if you want a Samuel, man, you, you got to you got to give him up to the Lord, like Hannah did. Man, the call for us is to be folks, man, that as parents that invest deeply in our children. Man, don't lead to provoking them. Don't lead them to discouragement, but look to invest in them. Those are the parents, man, that. Love to see come out of Tyler Town. Those are the parents, you know, if you're not a parent yet, man, a parent that you ought to desire to be one day, choose to invest in them, pour into them. And then thirdly, we see the relationship, workplace, platonic. Again, he's talking about bond servants here. Slaves, look what he says in verse 22. Bond servants, obeying everything, those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Fearing the Lord. Again, he's talking about slaves and masters, but also we could see here, you know, a great principle for uh, the workplace. Majority of us in here are uh, uh, employees, right? A majority of us in here do something, right? Whether it's working, you know, in the home or, or working at, with a, in, for an employer. And we see this principle here as the same here to work diligently for them. Respect, right? Our employer. Respect our employer. Even though it may not make make sense, man, hey, choose to respect them and obey them, follow them. You may say, Pastor Irv, well, listen, my personality isn't really suited for that. I tested and I'm, you know, an eight on the Enneagram, man. I'm a, I'm a challenger. You know, we've done that Enneagram stuff. Well, by the way, if you don't know about that Enneagram, it's just a one, another one of those personality tests, you know, for folks to make a little money. Some folks are making, you know, a, a lot of money off of that, but neither here nor there. But, hey, man, hey, I tested on the Enneagram school. I'm, I'm this. Well, can, can I be honest with you? Yeah, that may be your personality, but, but can I be real with you? Hey, in Christ, hey, no person has the right to be unkind. In Christ, no person has the right to be unkind. Hey, listen, we have been reborn, been reborn. Even though, man, our personality, man, is, is one that, that's a, about being combative. Listen, it doesn't matter. In Christ, man, the call for us is to choose to. Man, lovingly serve our employer and work hard for them to be obedient to them. That's what the word says. And so that goes back to what he talked about last week of dying to self every single day. 
And that's the simple call for us in here. And then he says in chapter four, verse one, masters, man, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Leaders in the room. Can I just speak to you for a second? Those that lead, whether it be in the military, whether it be in the home, whether it be in the workplace. Hey, don't wave around your title as if, man, it's some kind of, you know, uh, measure, right, or reason for you to rule with an iron fist in, in your workplace. It's not the purpose of it. First and foremost, can I, can I be honest with you? I know, hey, listen, I know it's fall break, but I'm just keeping it 100, brother Alex. Can I be honest with you? Hey, you're, you're not the boss. The main boss. God is. <laughs> he, he's the one that's given you the, the authority, right, and leadership to lead out in your area where, where you currently are a part of. And so for you, right, as the uh, under shepherd, we should say, or, or the leader within that group, Hey, listen, you ought to choose to serve, man, with love and care. Yeah, there's going to be times where you got to call out and be honest and real, right? There's times where you got to have real talk conversations. That's just a part of leadership. But, hey, you could do it in a manner, man, that doesn't belittle, doesn't kick down, doesn't discourage. Choose to step in and, man, encourage and love and pour into. There's no reason to mistreat, man, an employee or somebody that's under you in the workplace. Man, choose to care for them, love them, serve them, serve them. And so in wrapping up before going to the second and last point, right, what does this look like for us, right? What, is God, what has God prescribed to us in terms of, man, the way we ought to live in our relationships, man? Husbands and wives, husbands, man, your call, your role is to love, provide, protect, to nourish and care for your role. At the end of the day, lead. Your, your call is to lead. Wives, right? Your call, man, is to willingly, voluntarily, man, submit, which means a voluntary offering of oneself to another for support. Step in. Hey, d- doesn't mean, right, that husband's calling all the shots, man. Y'all have conversations. Talk together. Lead out together. It's 100%. Y'all both pouring in 100%. But your role in the order of God, man, is to support, man, husband. Children, your call is to obey. Simple enough. And then lastly, workers, hey, your call is to work. It's to work. Are you working for him? We got, hey, listen, the the call for us, right, to live this heavenly life is, man, to walk in God-honoring relationships. How does that look like in your life? Look like in your life. And then secondly and lastly, right, what it looks like for us. Right, to live this heavenly life, man, is to choose to honor the Lord with our work. Choose to honor the Lord with our work. Man, all of us in here work someplace, whether we're in college and, and working on a degree, whether we're in the workplace, military, whether we're at, we're at the home, man, hey, loving and hey, serving the kids there. Bless God if that's you, man, hey, shout out to you. We appreciate you. Thankful for you. Whatever it is, man, the call is to honor the Lord with our work. Work. Verse 23 and 24, look what it says. Again, great principles for uh, work here. In the context, talking about bond servants, right? Slaves and, and you know, uh, uh, in obedience to their masters, but great concept for work here. Verse 23, whatever you do, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Serving the Lord Christ. That's how we ought to work. We honor the Lord, man, with our work by working heartily for Him. Working heartily for Him. Whatever that looks like in our life. 
ever looked like for us. I know since COVID, you've probably seen, right? Uh, man, there's help wanted ads. There's help needed job open ads all over town, right? And, you know, there are multiple reasons for that. And, you know, I uh, don't want to get into all those. But I believe one of those reasons is, right, uh, this warped misconception, I feel like, between my generation and younger about uh, what it means to work, what it means to uh, have a job. Some of us, you know, want, to, you know, that dream uh, job, right, where we can work 20 hours a week, brother Ed, and make $100,000 a year, you know. Some of, hey, some of us, I mean, all this stuff I'm seeing now, man, you know, there are folks getting paid, you know, the, the through all the social media sites, brother Tiny. It's like, dang, man, I mean, they, you know, they're doing all these different challenges and stuff. They aren't even doing it right. But because, you know, they're, they hit the right thing at the right time, they're getting paid all and, and that's the dream, you know, man, is to, is to have our dream job, right? And, and, and work as little as we can and make as much as we can. And the reality is that that's just a fairy tale. Fairy tale. The call for you, hey, those of you who are married in here, hey, the, the call for you, man, is to work hard for the Lord, man, to help provide for your family. Take care of your family. That's the call. That's the call, whatever that looks like. And so you may be in here and you feel like you're in a deadbeat job or a deadbeat position. Listen, the call for you is to work heartily for the Lord in it. Work heartily for the Lord in it. Man, because he's most glorified in that. Listen, what does honoring the Lord with our work look like? How, how do we do that? It's understanding, number one, that what you do at the end of the day, it matters. What you do at the end of the day matters. Paul says here, whatever you do, man, whatever you do, man, do it unto the Lord. Man, he's saying this, hey, whatever spot that God has you in right now, it matters. What you do matters. You may say, hey, it's thankless work. Thankless work. Can I, can I, you know, brag on the moms in here again? Hey, you may think it's thankless work, man, having to wipe that child, you know, uh, uh, bottom. Let me <laughs> wipe that child's bottom, you know, for the fifth time in that day. You may think it's thankless. No, listen, hey, it, it's important. It's important. You may think, man, hey, working on that degree, man, it's a thankless job, man. I, I, I want to quit. Hey, no, it's important. What you do in the military, it's important. What you do is important. Hey, because who has given you the task to do it, has given you that task. It's important because, man, God has placed you in that place. And so do it heartily for him. Work hard for him. God has placed you in the specific place at the specific time for a purpose. He's called you to this task for this purpose and reason. So work hard for him. Man, hang in there. What you do matters. And so do it, hard, do it all for him. Secondly, hey... Honoring the God, honoring God with our work, man. How, how do we do that, man? It's understanding that how we work matters. How we do it matters. What we do matters, but also how we do it, man. He says here, do it heartily, right? It, it speaks to this, man. Working from the inner part of you. Right? Do it from the heart. Do it from the heart. Essentially having this intrinsic motivation. Meaning this, hey... The reason why you're at your job isn't just because, man, you can get a paycheck. Yes, that's a big part of it. You know, you need to provide for the house. But, but that ought to not be the only reason why you're doing what you're doing. You ought to be motivated from within to do it. You ought to be motivated from within to do it. I love this quote from Chuck Colson. This is what he says. He says this. We must be the same person in private as we are in public. Only the Christian worldview gives us the this basis for this kind of 
integrity. Whenever we work dutifully for the Lord and, and it comes from within, man, we're, we're working heartily, it comes from the heart, man, that, that speaks to the integrity that we have. God has called for us to be good stewards of this life. And part of that is, man, they, being all in for him. Not taking shortcuts. Right? Like culture says, man. You know, not finding the easy way out. Man, but working hard for him. This extrinsic motivation, right? Intrinsic, I should say. Intrinsic motivation comes from walking with God. And so listen, we're called to be all in for him. Be all in for him. And by the way, right, I'll throw this in free charge. Man, you choosing to be all in for him and your work, man, hey, that preaches. That preaches. It's so easy, man, to simply preach, man, hey, I belong to Jesus, but can I be, can I just keep it 100 with you? But if you're choosing to cut corners, right, and be a slouch looking to nickel and dime still, hey, that doesn't honor God. Man, choose to be all in for him. How you do it matters, man. How you do your work matters. Then lastly, Man, it's this understanding that why you work matters, understanding the why, why you're doing it. Again, you may say, man, it's because of a paycheck. Man, it's because, you know, these kids aren't going to take care of themselves right now. I'm hoping they get to a point where they can, but they aren't going to take care of themselves right now. Maybe because, man, hey, my parents sent me to school. I got to get this degree so I can get this job to take care of things. Yeah, those those are our part of the reason. But the main reason is, like I said, man, because the Lord has placed you in the spot that you're in. Hey, the Lord is is the one that gave you the gift of those children to take care of, man. So you're called to be good stewards of them. Hey, the Lord is the one that's given you the giftings and abilities, man, to be the teacher, to be the military soldier and to be the person in the corporate world. He's, he, he's the one that's given it. All, all good things come from above, James one says. And so because of that, he's the reason. He's the reason why we ought to do what we're doing. He's the reason, man. At the end of the day, the Lord is glorified in our hard work. When we are excelling and working hard for him, man, he is pleased. And so, man, we got to understand why we work, man. It matters. It matters. And when we understand that, we're able to work hard for him. And, man, he's glorified. Lord, man, it's so easy to forget, man. I'll just be honest, man. I, I struggle with it sometimes. Man, some weeks, you know, up at the church, been a, been a you know tough week, had a couple of tough meetings, man. Been, been beat up a little bit. And Brother Gary, I just want to think, man, oh, I got a sermon coming up, you know, in a couple of days, you know, and it feels like more out of duty than delight. I'm just being honest, man. And that's a scary place to be. Feeling like you're, you're living life, man, just simply fulfilling duties, man, rather than enjoying what, what God has, has given you, provided you. And so for us, man, we've got to understand the, the why, the why, why we work and allow for that to shape how we work for him. Some takeaway thoughts and then we'll be through just real quick. Number one. Right in all this, you know, just being being real. Paul's being real here on the order and how the home ought to look like, how the workplace ought to look like. But we've got to remember, number one, God gives us the grace to walk in God-honoring relationships. He does. God gives us the grace to walk in God-honoring relationships. You may be here and you're thinking, man, yeah, that all sounds good, Pastor, but I hadn't really seen a lot of that in my life. I might have walked through, you know, some brokenness or I'm sitting here struggling at this moment with my spouse or with 
my kids, you know, you're talking about walking in this God-honoring relationship. I don't know if I can do it. Well, can I encourage you? We talk about it every week. You can. You can in Christ, and he's able to give you the grace to do so. Listen, if you're struggling today, man, hey, go to him. Quit, quit trying to, you know, th- throw the manual out and try and figure it out. Man, go to him. Go to him. He'll help you. There is grace right in your struggle and mistakes. Man, the times that we stumble, man, the times that you stumble. Man, there's grace that's there. That's there. And by the way, I'll throw this in free of charge. Man, those of you who are currently hurting today, man, because of, right, the brokenness of this world, this this passage, right, you hadn't seen be real in your life, and so you don't think it can be real. Hey, God, it talks about all throughout Scripture, man, he is the great restorer. He's the great redeemer. He is. Though you've walked through, man, hey, a, a tumultuous situation at time, man, doesn't mean that you you. Can't follow this. And walk that in him. And so, man, allow for the Lord to give you the grace, man, to walk in these God-honoring relationships. Man. Husbands, wives, parents, workers. And allow God to give you the grace. And then secondly and lastly, listen, God gives us the grace to honor him in our work. God gives us the grace to honor him in our work. Again, you may think that you're in a thankless job. You may be wanting to pull your hair out. You may think that it's too much, but you know you've got to stay in it. Hey, God gives you the grace to continue on. Not just simply surviving, but thriving. Yeah, there's going to be seasons where you feel like you're surviving. Maybe in that now, but man, hey, Bible says you can go to the Lord. Hey, even, even youth grow weary and children grow faint, but hey, those that trust in the Lord, man, hey, he renews their strength like the eagle. Isaiah 40 says. So you can go to him, man. He, he give you the grace, man, to honor him with your work. Man. Instead of being folks that simply talk about, man, loving Jesus, right? Uh, we're called to be folks that show that we love him. And our relationships within our home, as well as the relationships in our workplace, right, are two of the greatest ways that we Show that we belong to him. And so the call for us, man, is to walk in these God-honoring relationships and to work hard for 